Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
gotta keep up the fat fat boom. 100 wild part-time jobs. 100 wild part-time jobs. Hello. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to bands about their various and precarious part-time jobs, both past and present, and their stories from them. Quite often I speak to bands and musicians who've been doing it for a while full-time, and Whitney are one of those. Max and Julian join me for an episode just as they start the UK run of their European tour. This Thursday they're at the lovely Shepherd's Bush Empire in London, followed by Friday in Manchester, Saturday in Glasgow, and Sunday over in Ireland, in Dublin. I'm a huge fan of the band. Their new record, Spark, came out last year and they just released a new song called For A While, which they wrote around the time of Light Upon The Lake, their amazing, incredible debut album from 2016. Look, I know I'm generally like a positive person and I, I talk up records. Light Upon The Lake holds so many memories dear to me and Whitney are just such a rewarding band to listen to. So it's brilliant to speak with these two. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, supported by 2000 Trees Festival, which is an amazing medium-sized festival in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London. They keep on announcing amazing bands. I'm looking forward to rival schools, the Bronx, and so I watch you from afar. Martha, Crows, Sprint, and loads of others. They've got Wednesday in the Forest stage with Bob Villain and Holding Absence, who I heard are a lovely, polite group of people. And I think that sums up 2000 Trees, really. I've had such a great time going over the years and I'm looking forward to the next one. Four days this summer, 5th to the 8th of July. If you want to go and you haven't got your tickets yet, there's an instalment plan that you can use until the end of February. And if you want to buy a ticket outright, you can get 20 quid straight off the price by using the voucher code 101POD. That's at 2000treesfestival.co.uk, 101POD to get 20 quid off your ticket. What can that 20 quid get you? pack of ciggies, a couple of beers, a tent pole. <laughs> All right. Anyway, here's Whitney of 101 Part-Time Jobs. You can see them in the UK this week. And here's Max and Julian. Go well. Cheers. When we started Whitney, uh, you know, we kind of, it was kind of starting just a brand new band. The first shows that we had in Chicago were just kind of to friends and DIY spaces. So it was very, and we lived in the studio essentially. So the studio was just our apartment. So it was a pretty much just a, an obsessive full-time live work kind of situation from the start. I feel like neither of us have really lived in, except for a brief stint where each of us lived with people we were seeing at the time in like 2018, Julian and I have pretty much lived together for the past 10 years with the studio in our living room for a decade, essentially. There must have been times when that was easier, times where that was harder. I think it would be way harder to not have the studio be kind of like the center of the house. Just because I think like we, you know, we're like 31 and 32 right now. And I think we know where like a very important part of our like self-worth and like our enjoyment and like you know, just like us being more like well-rounded and happy people um, is like derived from recording and creating and writing songs. And like, yeah, there will have to come a time where we don't necessarily live together and have that sort of like nucleus and central hub. But uh, right now I think that's like, you know, that's the reason why we live together. Really, I didn't know you lived together, but it makes so much sense. Your records sound so lived in. 
I suppose, but they feel such lived in records. That's been something that like peers of ours, not, not, not in a very lighthearted way. Um, I think we've gotten a little bit of a reputation as uh, tinkerers, <laughs> you know, where like we maybe live in the songs a little longer than most people expect us or would like us to, <laughs> and just kind of like go back and forth, you know, endlessly until we think something's perfect. Um, and I think the studio being like having access to being able to re-record things in our home af- even after studio sessions for records kind of like leads into that idea for better or for worse. It's interesting how bands will uh, release a, an album and then maybe two months later an EP and then a couple of months after that a- another single you know before a tour. There's a time now that you know there's so much coming out it's obviously a product of or a, a knock on a mirrored effect of the way that we listen to music on Spotify and Apple and, and YouTube. Have you spoken to, to each other much about how, you know, that puts you in a, in a position to kind of move with the times, I suppose, and be on the right side of that? I don't think like either of us feel pressure to like release or like keep up with some like release schedule that we maybe see around us. Um, but I think like, I don't know. I think it's like always kind of felt natural. Like when, if you can harness like towards the end of an album making process, a lot of times I think you just like, you wind up like feeling like you're in a bit of a rhythm. And like, I think that's when you can maybe feel like the most like creatively uh, free or something or like, you know, I just think there's like something you can harness where like certain people would maybe want to just like take a break after they finish a record. But a lot of times that's when I maybe feel the most like, all right, let's like, let's just like get right back in the studio and see how it feels. And maybe there's like an extra idea laying around that we could finish. And so I don't know. I don't ever think that we'll like necessarily feel like we need to like release music to stay relevant or something though. I'm sure some people feel that pressure. Is Chicago a good environment for that? Yeah. I mean, I think Chicago in a way, maybe more, everyone just seems to have their own pace there and, it's like its own little ecosystem of music that kind of supports itself. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I feel like right now, especially like there's a, a, lots of people on the road, there's, you know, Namdi and dead and, you know, a bunch of other artists who are in Chicago, you know, it's like you go to any restaurant or bar or sh- other show and you run into the whole scene, which is like really feels cozy and supportive. What have you- Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs, 101. Part-time jobs. You know, this this show, 101 Part-Time Jobs, it's about, you know, the different jobs that, that artists have to do to be able to prioritize. You know, there's irony in that. You know, you're working at a heap of other jobs in order to prioritize something else. You know, something that I think about a lot is I grew up on the suburbs of uh, and, you know, moving to London and playing as an artist, uh, doing your own thing, kind of being your own boss. It can be really difficult. It can be fucking bleak. I imagine it's the same with New York City. I mean, living in cities, you know, rent is going up all over. I mean, I think Dublin in Ireland is the most expensive it's ever been, similar to lots of places. You know, so when you talk about bands like Dead, you know, I, I, can, I can imagine, you know, they're going to be playing these festivals and, you know, I, I can imagine also seeing them at these 
smaller independently run venues where you know you, you don't want to have to rely on corporate sponsored venues to to operate you know i, I do i do see all those things connected it like really feels like uh i don't know like the big powerful people um or industries or corporations and music are like more obviously um like getting stronger and just i don't know i feel like that stranglehold is like a lot more like explicit maybe now than it ever was and it does just feel really hard because you you just like have to deal with like live nation and um and i don't know i i it, it feels like a tricky just a tricky thing to even talk about yeah honestly yeah, but I feel like, you know, Chicago as a city specifically, just because like that's I think our biggest ex- our closest experience with it. There was like a, dev- a development that was supposed to be made of, like a multi venue, like multi capacity roomed venue um, in Chicago that was going to be owned by one of the major entertainment corporations. And kind of like as a city, everyone kind of fought back against it. And I think at this point they haven't started, you know, like it was supposed to happen before the pandemic and there was a lot of like petitioning and uh, kind of fundraising for the cause of keeping like independent venues in Chicago, not letting them be overrun by this, you know, giant multi-tiered venue space. So far it's been successful, you know? So I think like it in Chicago, it's kind of like worked out so far and independent venues are still, you know, they're still like, the 150 cap rooms that have been there forever still have shows all the time, you know? Brilliant. I, I think now more than ever is a time where we're thinking about where we're putting our money. And in that sense, you know, I don't think you have to be the most, be like a real right on person to know, yeah, I want to support our culture. I want to support independent music. And when I go to your shows, there's, there's a community aspect there. Do you feel like it's part of your job to protect that? Is that something that you thought about? I mean, it's it's fine if you it's fine if you don't want to think about it, you know. But have you thought about it? We totally do. Um, I feel like the uh, the first like major example of that uh, was we were like touring in the states and we played a couple shows at House of Blues, and we were just like um, mainly just like thinking about it from like a fan's perspective, like showing up to a show that is basically at like a chain venue. It just feels like really uh, like sterile and sort of like distant um, and just kind of realized that like that just isn't like like we felt like we were like doing our fans like wrong by like kind of having them come into a an environment like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we do. I don't think we like we don't like overextend ourselves like worrying about that but i think that like there are little things that you can always do to like improve or like foster the community that you want hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
you know, you're in control of your future. You know, you're your own bosses. You kind of set your own job description, I suppose. And, you know, I, I think about that because of that dichotomy or that friction, perhaps, that a lot of artists feel between having their own art as their job and then, you know, lots of side jobs along the way. For the past couple of years, we've been lucky enough to just really only have to write songs and play shows. But we, I, we definitely did. We yeah. like in the while we were writing the first record, uh, I was like driving uh, me and Ziad and Malcolm, uh, who are also our fellow bandmates. Um, we worked at this clothing store called Akira, but we were just like uh, we would deliver pants around the city of Chicago, basically. <laughs> We call it pants delivery boy job. <laughs> no, it was more than just pants, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We we both worked at restaurants. Yeah, like, for... I feel like in the again, like basing it off Chicago, but the most malleable jobs that a lot of musicians that tour have are usually in service industry or at um, bars. And there are lots of bars. Like one that comes to mind right away is the Hungry Brain in Chicago, which is owned by a well-known jazz musician named Mike Reed. A lot of people in bands or projects work there and then kind of cover each other's shifts when they go on tour. So there's got lots of spaces like that where it's more like nightlife bar based. Um, that's, you know, like the schedules. Everyone kind of helps each other out when they're touring. And you got to hope for some pretty relaxed bosses or, or patient bosses. It's kind of surprising, you know, like because especially when we were, you know, early touring 2016, releasing the record and stuff we all pretty much had like jobs like as barbacks at restaurants, you know, just like whatever, you know, early in service industry job we could get. Um, and pretty much all of our bosses, I feel like were like just psyched that we got to go travel and play music and, or go travel to the studio to record and would be very helpful. And I feel like a lot of people in Chicago have found places and had those experiences. Great to hear. I mean, I wonder when you're doing those kinds of jobs, you know, even if you're doing two shifts a week as a bar bag, that kind of has a knock-on effect of the rest of your week. Because if you're out till, or if you're working until four, you're probably going to stay out for a beer after that, because why wouldn't you? And then you, you wake up at 2 p.m. the next day, and you know, that, that's just that lifestyle. So I suppose my question is, you know, when you're doing something like that, and, and then you know, when you wake up at, in the afternoon or whatever time you do before your next shift, you know, your downtime is to write when writing becomes the main thing that you do yeah and that kind of situation is inversed what what have you have you found any kind of any things to do in your downtime from music from from whitney honestly i feel like we uh not like in a super serious way but we've like both taken like uh cooking and food just a little bit more seriously i think general mentality is like having a, a somewhat responsible adult life <laughs> um you know like i think both of us have kind of in a way lived a very lucky life of all of our pretty much from when we were 18 till now have just been in a band and we lived the band life where we were in like the band apartment where it was just like we didn't have a lock on our door or a door handle and people just like would show up and leave you know like it was just like a a little bit of like an anar complete anarchy of an apartment. Um, and I think over the years we've tried to put more effort into just having more of a, a settled life. Having like a, a comfortable home that's like a bit more cozy and like curated 
in a way that we actually um, can benefit from. Yeah, I'm I'm 31, and I think tw- when I was 28, that was the first time that I really thought, oh, okay, I'm gonna make my flat nice, and it's definitely having a a, a partner uh, to do that with, you know, to share that with. But I, I, now I'm kind of surprised it took me took me that long. Sometimes the kind of most obvious things to make you feel good are right under your nose. You know, like hoovering the floor, putting up a nice poster, things that you know you can do, but you just put off. Uh, but it's almost like reading a book. Sometimes you don't want to start that book or maybe you've got to a dense part of it in the middle and you're like, ah, oh, you're struggling through. But, you know, if you just do it, you feel a lot better for it. I played in Leeds at the Brudenell a couple of years ago. We have a funny story about that place. Oh yeah, we just—it was like our first, the first Whitney tour in the UK, and they let us like sleep there overnight. And this dude, I think it must be one of the owners, he busted out this like what's called a survival suit, which is like just a giant sleeping bag, but with like legs. Yeah, you're, you're wearing like a sleeping bag as like a onesie. Like it yeah. fits like all of your limbs separately. It, it's like a giant coat. It just like turns you into Marshmallow Man. And I, we were all like obviously pretty tipsy. Um, and I just remember like putting the thing on and like running full speed and sliding across the floor on my on my belly. <laughs> we we literally slept like in the venue like proper. Like some of us were on the stage, some of us were on those like kind of couch like seated air, <laughs> row areas. Like they also have like pews and. In there, if I remember correctly. God bless Nathan and the Brudenell. We just showed up. Yeah, it is Nathan. Yeah, yeah. We just showed up in our van and we're like, we don't have anywhere to stay tonight. And that's that whole tour we were doing that. Like the first time we ever went to London, we just slept in the secretly office on the floor. And some people, I think some people came into work the next day and didn't realize that like six or seven, seven people were going to be on the floor of the like a (laughs) tiny office in Shoreditch. Well, I think it must have been one of the tours after that then that you had a bus. Because my band had played the night before and the morning after, we stayed in this squat, didn't get any sleep, and we were involved in quite a big car crash outside. And you were coming back, and there was the two of you, and you were holding a a basketball, and you were coming back from shooting hoops, I suppose. And it was a real moment, because we got hit. We We were stationary. We were about to pull out, and we got hit. And then literally 10 minutes later both of you walked past and i was like that's whitney did we chat we might have done I, you know when things like that happen it's just shock yeah I, yeah I, I don't think we chat i think you might have chatted to one of the other people damn because I, I do i feel like i remember this but was anyway, that, everyone was okay everyone was okay yeah it's hilarious that we were holding a basketball yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that was probably like that was like what what you were just talking about with like reading a book. That was the one time we did that the entire tour. Probably like we brought a basketball with us from America. like as if we just like hoop it up. Yeah, all the time. that was probably like the one day we're like we're gonna do this for ourselves and feel better for it later. Hey, thank you so much for for being up for this and and telling these stories. You know, that's what I want to do with this is get some stories from from bands I love and, you know, bands that people love. So thanks so much for being up for it. Yeah. Hell yeah. This was a lot of fun. It was lovely. Just to end with, um, you know, I I love hearing tales of, you know, gaffes kind of work fails. (laughs) 
you know, uh, probably I'm projecting maybe a little bit because plenty of times when I've been working at behind the bar, I smashed loads of glasses. I'd get everything wrong. I'd kind of upset people by accident. You know, not massive things, but I would fuck things up. I, 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 was, I was sort of working as a laborer, making a driveway for someone. And, you know, I got the job saying I knew how to do it, even though I didn't and and ended up fucking it up <laughs> you know and, and apologizing and, and i think those stories are kind of funny especially when we live in a you know there's such a well there can be such a culture where people don't own their mistakes or pretend they never do anything wrong <laughs> in a work environment i wondered you know do either of you have any stories that come to mind i the one it's it's less of a mistake and more of just a scenario that i put myself in that was just like so ill-advised I used to play soccer when I was in high school. We both used to play soccer in high school or like growing up until high school. And my, uh, when we were, when I was like 24 or 25, my high school soccer team was having an alumni game, like basically like a bunch of old people, older people getting together and trying to play again, but I didn't have any shoes. So I, oh, I woke up in the morning and, um, I have, we were living in, in the, this is band air, house era. And one of my roommates is, um, slightly smaller gentleman than myself um probably so, two sizes <laughs> uh, too small um of a foot but i he, but he had some sambas in the doorway and i had no shoot no some, like athletic shoes at all to go play soccer and so i just grabbed his sambas and like ran out the door and played soccer in them for like two and a half hours and i was working that bar backing job which is you know a lot of like running up and down stairs to get uh, like whatever kind of like you're on your feet you know yeah and i ended up messing up my i lost ended up losing both my big toenails it it was like oh. the grossest most brutal um like his his big toenails were like an outlandish yeah color. it was they like turned completely black and then <laughs> but i had to go to work and i you know this is an era where like i you know we all had our jobs and like i had to be on my feet for like the entire period um and i was just like barely walk well, it was also the funniest thing because Max was like so cranky as his toes were basically falling off and no one around him could really even say like, I'm sorry. Like, no, you completely just yeah. did this. Well, and, and the person, his name was Josiah. He was just like, well, you shouldn't have taken my shoes. then." Like he was like mad about me using his shoes. He was like, you got what you deserved. Like <laughs> so unsympathetic. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm sorry for your pain. My, my feet are become i get they get injured he got poison ivy on his foot and we were doing some weird uh like uh, big online streaming tv thing <laughs> he had I couldn't wear shoes i like couldn't put shoes on for like two and a half weeks and our publicist was like legit kind of angry but we, we had all these fashion shoots in new york like for like the fashion shoots quote unquote like just like editorial like you know yeah. press where they put us in like some clothes but I couldn't wear shoes and like they had to give me like three pairs of socks. So you couldn't see like the, the blood coming off my foot and I'd have to change them like every 10, 10 to 15 minutes. It was really, and I, I wore like a, I wore a pair of flip flops for the one that I got from like a Walgreens and cut them up. And they like in the shoot, they priced out all the outfits and they like made up some fake flip flop and priced oh, it. Yeah. Like, we were in like all like head to toe YSL, <laughs> but Max couldn't couldn't finish off the outfit with the shoes. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, at some point, there's to an extent, there's Schadenfreude or whatever the German German word is. 
<laughs> but actually towards the end of that i start just feeling bad for you I, I got more sympathy that time around for sure <laughs> as a sort of journalist i interned at loads of places and one of the places was front magazine which thankfully no longer exists uh you know i i'd sort of had second guesses going there because it was kind of a, a boobs and pop punk magazine around the time where yeah, 2008, those sort of magazines, at least here in England, that there was like nuts and zoo. And it was, it was this kind of like soft porn page three style and music magazines. And th they used to make work experience kids do dumb shit and give them a page for it. I don't, I think it might've been my suggestion stupidly, but sort of drew fishnets over my whole body and was kind of naked and went to Oxford Circus or Trafalgar Square and did like this whole photo shoot there. And I, years later, I was making, you know, touring around and made friends in Southampton. I went into this guy's bedroom that I just met and he'd had, he had this photo of me from three years before that on his wall. Oh. And he was like, I thought I recognized you. Was any part of it flattering or was it like? Well, it was, I'm sure. No, no, but I like flattering isn't really a word that I describe myself in any scenario, really. This is, this is a funny take on it, and I'm not, I won't put anything, but like if vice do's and don'ts still existed, what category would you put the photo in? I, I'd say do because I think it yeah. gives me, even, even though it, I, I prefer to make fun of myself than be a stiff upper lip. That's, well, that's more, good. that's more fun. That yeah. is more fun. That's what I want my friends to be. That's the, that's and the environment I feel comfortable in. Hell yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks for letting me tell you that. Cheers, Julian and Max. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely talking. So there was the excellent Whitney on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Their new single for a while is out now. And you can catch them around the UK and Ireland this weekend. See you later on with a new episode. Tomorrow, probably. Oi! I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>